Welcome to the 34th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Margaret Cole, author of The Spider's Web, a Wind River Reservation Mystery. And if you haven't subscribed yet to the To Be Read newsletter, check it out today at www.tobereadbooks.com. Well, this is uh, Jeffrey Deaver, author of, uh, most recently, The Burning Wire, and uh, soon to be author of the next continuation James Bond novel. I spend a lot of time writing, a lot of time researching my books, um, but uh, when I'm not doing that, I, I love uh, listening to the Reading and Writing Podcast, which you can hear at readingandwritingpodcast.com. So, welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Margaret Cole author of the New York Times best-selling Wind River Mystery Series, mystery novels that feature the Wind River Reservation in Wyoming. The latest book in the series, The Spider's Web, was just published and is in bookstores now. Margaret, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. Sure, sure. Well, if someone has never read one of your Wind River Mystery novels and is not familiar with your characters, Vicki Holden and Father John O'Malley, I'm wondering, can you give them a sense of what the novels are like? And more specifically, can you give the listeners a sense of what to expect with your latest novel, The Spider's Web? Sure. Um, the novels are set, as you said, on the Wind River Reservation, which is in central Wyoming, among the Arapaho people. And they're one of the Plains Indian tribes. So people who enjoy Tony Hillerman's novels, um, you know, they do pick up my novels. I have a lot of his readers, actually. So anyone who's interested in knowing you know, what it's like to on the reservation today and um, what the people are like and, and, and just the culture and the history of the tribe and all. I work a lot of that into my novels. But my uh, main characters are an Arapaho lawyer, Vicki Holden, and a Jesuit priest who's an outsider to the reservation, a missionary priest. He's actually from Boston because I wanted him not only to be an outsider to the Arapaho culture and history, I really wanted him to be an outsider to the West. So he has, you know, everything to learn. So those are the two main characters, and they, um, of course, appear in every novel. The Spider's Web is the 15th novel in the series, but uh, I have to tell you, you do not have to have read all other 14 before you pick it up. I try uh, to write each novel to stand alone in, in a way. I mean, each novel does, uh, of course, uh, take another look at the two main characters and what's going on in their lives and all that. But at the same time, each lo each novel is totally completed in its own self, and the characters, um, their background and all, um, are there in each novel. I and I try to give that background in a different way in each novel, so you won't be lost. So you can sure. pick up the novels at any point. The Spider's Web. Um, I got the idea from uh, thinking about an outsider coming to the reservation, a beautiful blonde, white girl coming into the reservation. And then in her wake, everything just collapses. There's murder, there's destruction, there's dissent, there's uh, distrust, and the whole reservation is just set on edge. And when a young Arapaho man is murdered, the other Arapahos look to the outsider and blame her, even though she appears to be innocent. And Vicki Holden is called in to protect her rights, which is ironic for Vicki, because she's an Arapaho woman who went off to Denver to become educated, to become a lawyer, so that she can protect the rights of her own people. 
And here, in this case, she finds herself looking after the rights of this outsider whom her own people believe is probably guilty of murdering this Arapaho man. And it also puts her at odds with Father John, even though they have been, they're, they're great um, partners and they have always worked together in all the other novels. They're always on the same page. But in this novel, Father John, who is a counselor, who has heard umpteen confessions, who's seen into the dark recesses of the human heart, uh, he has seen something in this white girl that makes him suspect that she could very well be capable of this murder. So Dickie and Father John find themselves at odds. So uh, everything is just at odds by, by, this, by the appearance of this outsider on the reservation. Right. Uh, what what has been the reaction by the Arapaho uh, people to your novels? And I'm curious what feedback you've gotten over the years. As you mentioned earlier, this is the 15th novel in the series. Right. Well, they have been great. I Before I started writing the mystery novels, I wrote a nonfiction book on the Arapaho people, and it's called Chief Left Hand. It's a biography of one of their leaders and also... A, a history of the people when they lived on the plains, the central plains of Colorado, which were their homelands. And they liked that book very much. That book came out in 1981, and I'm proud to say it's never gone out of print. So it's still um, it's still actually pretty widely read. And what's but the name liked, of the book again? It's called Chief Left Hand. Great. And um, so they liked that book. So that was really, um, you know, uh, an, an entry for me into into their world. I started going to the reservation while I was researching that book and began to meet the people and get acquainted with them and all. So I wrote other history books before I started writing these mystery novels. And when I decided to write a mystery novel, it seemed like a natural segue for me to set the novel, uh, to set the novels among the Arapahoes because I was very familiar with the reservation and I'd been there a lot and and I knew the people. So how they accepted this? Well, I can tell you that about, I think it was three or four years ago, they chose my book, Killing Raven, to for their one book, one county program. And the Wind River Reservation is uh, sits within Fremont County, Wyoming. So um, one book, one county, and everybody was reading uh, Killing Raven. And then I was invited up to the reservation to speak to the colleges and the high schools and all and then the Arapahoes had a celebration for me on the reservation, and it was incredible. They had a feast. Everything is always a feast. <laughs> and then they had a feast. They invited, everybody's invited also. You know, they sent out flyers. You all come. You know, they put ads in the newspaper. <laughs> well, they had about 300 people showed up, and they really could have fed the whole county, but 300 people showed up. And the elders were there, and they prayed for me in Arapaho. And they had the dancers were there, and the and the drummers and the singers, and they had an MC, and they had a program, and you know. And so, uh, people got up and talked about the books, and it was it was wonderful. It was just it was just delightful. One woman got up and she said, "Well, everybody writes about the Sioux and the Navajo." She said, "It's about time somebody wrote about us." <laughs> so it, it was just lovely. And then they just laden me with gifts. They really did. They gave me a beautiful Pendleton blanket. And when they give you a blanket, they don't just hand you a folded blanket. They have a little ceremony. They wrap you in the blanket. And it, it was lovely. And at, when it was at the end of the of the little ceremony, they asked me to get up and say a few words. And I was so touched. You know, I, I, was, I was on the verge of tears. And I got <laughs> up and I said... You know, of all the wonderful things that have happened to me in my career, 
this is the most wonderful. And it was just dead silence in this big ballroom, you know, just dead silence. And then a woman's voice from across the ballroom said, really? <laughs> so it, it, was, it, was just very, it was just very touching. It really was. Uh, every time I go to the reservation, they're very kind to me. They're very generous. They're hospitable people, very generous, hospitable people. Uh, they come to my book signings, which I have in the area. They buy my books. Um, and they write me emails. They call me up. They give me their opinions about my books. Yeah, they're very involved. And then they tell me that, well, my friends tell me on the reservation that one of the biggest games that they play up there is trying to figure out who all these people really are. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so w- w- what what is it about that culture and that setting that inspires you to, to write these novels? I just got interested in them because, as I said, they were the uh, – People in Colorado. They were um, uh, there were three um, uh, Native American tribes that lived in Colorado in the, in the old time, as they say, and the Arapahoes and Cheyennes on the plains, and the Utes in the mountains. And I'm, I'm a um, native of Colorado. I'm a fourth generation Coloradan, so I grew mm-hmm. up on all these stories. And all my life, I was always interested in the people who were here first. You know, the people who were here before my family and everybody else came. And I read a lot about them, and so that's really how I got interested in them. And I got interested in the, the Arapaho people especially, and and just uh, got very interested in one of their leaders who was a, a great man, and that was Chief Left Hand, and I ended up writing a book about him. So um, people ask me if I'm a Arapaho, you know, and I and I say, everywhere I go I get asked that. And mm-hmm. I say, no, I'm not. But that that presumes that writers only write about, you know, what we are, which is not true. What we write about is what interests us. Right. And Arapahoes interested me. And so that's how I got into it. That's great. Well, as we mentioned, the, the Spider's Web is your 15th novel in the series. Do you ever fear that you'll run out of stories to tell? And what, what, what's your process like when you're, when you're ready to start a new novel? Are you already thinking about it when you're writing the, the previous novel? Or, or what's that process like for you? You know, usually while I'm writing a novel, I'll get an idea for the next novel. It's just interesting how that happens, but it usually comes out of the research I happen to be doing for the for the novel I'm writing, and then I'll read some sidelines. You know, just something will click, and I'll think, oh, that would that would be interesting to go off in that direction in a in a different novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get my ideas from two places. One is from history because I wrote history, and I'm fascinated with the past, and I'm fascinated with the way in which the things that happened out here in the West on the plains, which the Arapahoes were involved in, all of it, um, all the old things that happened to them, the crimes and the injustices and the frauds and all that kind of thing, the land grabs, um, I have a way of of still percolating into the present and, and need to be uh, dealt with again and can even you know lead to current crimes. So I a lot of my stories are based you know, the germ of the idea comes out of something that happened in history. And the other place I get my ideas is just from reading the newspapers. I read everything that I can about what's going on in Indian country generally and what the issues are and what the people are, you know, contending with and what what they're worried about and that kind of thing. And I clip. I clip all these articles. So I have a huge, huge file of possible story ideas. So in answer you, to your question, will I ever run out of ideas? I don't think so. <laughs> Time <laughs> I will run out of, but not ideas. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you you mentioned earlier your nonfiction book, Chief Left Hand. Yes. What was the process like for you to move from nonfiction to writing fiction? Was fiction something that you were always interested in and, and you ended up writing the nonfiction book or, or was it something that, that that came later? What what I'm just curious about your you know, the background of your interest in writing. Well, I started out as a journalist actually, as a newspaper reporter. So my background was always on the nonfiction side, the reporting, going out, doing the research, getting the information, writing the facts. Although I always, all my life, wanted to write stories. I wanted to write my own stories, <laughs> and I wanted to write a novel. I, and I kind of think you scratch any writer, no matter what the writer writes, scratch that writer and you're going to find a would-be novelist. Sure. <laughs> and so I just always wanted to try it. And Finally, I reached the point where I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to do it any sooner. I better do it now. So I decided to uh, to try it and to write a mystery novel set among the Arapahoes. And the first novel I wrote was The Eagle Catcher. Now, it was, um, it, 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 I won't say it was difficult, but it, it was a challenge. I had to learn a different craft. I had to go from basically telling, which is what you do in nonfiction, uh, to showing. Mm-hmm. And let me give you a real quick example. Sure. Uh, in nonfiction, you can say, she was angry, and that's a perfectly good sentence, and we all understand it. In fiction, you need to create a visual scene, and you need to say something like, she rose out of the pew, and she stomped down the aisle, and her heels clacked into the silence of the church. You know, something like that. We need to see the anger. So I think that that was the biggest thing I had to learn was to uh, was was drama was how how to write drama into into the story, and and so but it was fun it was it was a challenge and um, it was something that uh, I worked on on the Eagle Catcher and it took me a while I probably was maybe halfway through the Eagle Catcher before you know, the light kind of went on in my brain, and I thought, <laughs> oh, I got it now. I see what I have to do. I see right. what's different here. <laughs> and and what, was the, what was the path of publication like for you with the Eagle Catcher? Were you able to find an agent or a publisher right away? Yes, I was very fortunate. Um, I was in the writing world, though. I had had four other books published, all nonfiction, so I was mm-hmm. on, you know, a different side of the of the um, of the room, so to speak, but um, I had a lot of friends in the publishing world, and I did a lot of networking. Uh, I wrote the book first, and that is so important. I have so many, um, you know, uh, hopeful writers uh, talk to me, and they say, "How can I get my book published?" You know, well, they haven't even started writing it yet, but they're worried <laughs> about how to get it published. You know, right? <laughs> so you have you have to write the book first. <laughs> So I wrote it first, I, I worked on it, I got it to the point where I thought it was pretty good, and then I went about trying to sell it. And so I, I did a lot of networking, through networking with my other writer friends, I got names of agents, I, I contacted those agents, and one of them took me on, and then she was able to sell uh, The Eagle Catcher to Berkeley Publishing, which is my publishing house. And uh, and not only that, but she got a contract for two more novels. So it, it took me, it was a process that took about, I'd say, eight or nine months of just working that through, finding the agent, dealing with the agent, finally, you know, waiting for the agent to sell the book. But uh, 
you know, I was, I was pretty lucky, really. <laughs> it's tough. It's a tough business to get into. Sure, sure. But but I think that it speaks to kind of the uniqueness of your of your setting and and in your series. I think that, um, and and obviously your talent as a writer. Oh well, thank you. Uh, I think that I also tapped into the market that Tony Hillerman had created. Sure. He had so many, you know, millions of readers and people who love his books. I, I was one of them, of course. And uh, I think he created that market. And so people were, after they read his books, they were willing to look around and say, well, you know, what other tribes are out there that we can read about? What, you know, what else is going on? And there I was. <laughs> so that, <laughs> that, was, that was helpful. <laughs> So you mentioned the idea for for aspiring writers that they need to to write the book before they start thinking about publication. What other advice would you offer for aspiring writers who may be listening to this podcast? You know, honestly, I'm asked this all the time, and and I I have a one-word answer, and it is persistence. Or as I just heard another writer say not long ago, you have to wear the bastards down. You know, you just have to, <laughs> you have to hang in there. You have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in your work, believe in what you've written. You have to keep working at your craft, making it the very best you can. And, you know, really, really working at it. And, and, and then you have to keep going out and trying to sell it and trying to get it published. And, you know, write write short stories. Send them to magazines. There are a number of magazines that publish short stories. You know, do the homework. Find out who publishes them. Send them in. Uh, in the mystery world, there's the Alfred Hitchcock, Ellery Queen magazines. You know, send them in. Try to get published and just keep going, keep going. Be persistent. I am totally convinced that most, um, you know, would-be writers, well, a lot of them, and probably most, I'll say that, uh, they give up. They just give up. They just, right. you know, they have, we all have rejections. Believe me, <laughs> I had my share of rejections. <laughs> uh, that's part of the game, and you just have to keep going and not let it beat you down and, and not give up. And, and that's tough. That's really tough. So one word, persistence. Great. What what is the writing process like for you? Do you do you write every day when you're working on a novel? And usually, you know, uh, how long of a break do you do you take between finishing one novel usually and starting the next? Well, I look at this as a job. This is a job, <laughs> so I go to my office, <laughs> which is um, in, in, which is a you know dedicated room in my home. Mm-hmm. And when I go to my office, I go to work. I go to work. I mean, I've, I've even heard of writers who actually get dressed up as if they're going to an office, you know, and they go into their office in their <laughs> home, you know, take off their tie, you know, or whatever. But I don't do that. But I write in my sweats most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm at my office, in my office by 8.30 in the morning. And I work, I write for probably four or five hours. And then... Um, I spend two or three hours in the day working on the business part of writing, which is dealing with editors, agents, publicists, um, you know, web person, um, invitations to speak, and uh, lots of things. Right. And and that takes time. And and so I work on that. And uh, I also do a lot of research for each one of my books. So I uh, you know spend time 
re, you know, reading, doing a lot of reading on whatever it is I'm writing about. So I put in very long days. I'm usually in my office till 6, 6.30 or 7 o'clock in the evenings, and I work five, often six days a week. Uh, people ask me, well, um, what if you don't feel like writing? Well, you know what? A lot of days I don't feel like writing, but um, it, I sit down and I start writing, and I find out that as soon as I start writing, I feel like writing. Right. So <laughs> it's just uh, it's just it's what you do, and I love doing it. How much time do I take between novels? Um, not not much. Maybe maybe two or three weeks is all. Sure. Sure. So and and then I get right to work again, and and usually you know begin with doing a lot of research for the next novel I'm going to start. So, do you do you still read uh, a lot of fiction? And if so, who are some of the writers that you enjoy reading or that you read for inspiration? Uh, I do. I read a lot of fiction. I love to read. I, I'm a I, I I'm a great reader. I read all the time. In fact, I'm reading Scott Turow's book Innocent right now. Great. And uh, really enjoying it. It's a great book. Uh, <clears throat> I read. Um, I'm an eclectic reader. I not only read mysteries. I read. Um, I read all kinds of novels. Um, I just read Blackout, which is a, a science fiction novel by, by Connie uh, Willis. Connie Willis, and it's yeah. it's wonderful. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, you know, I just enjoy reading really good books and. Um, I'm a big fan of Alan First, and he writes, um, his novels are set during the World War II period in, in Europe, and, and I just find them fascinating. So, But I, I'm sort of all over the map. Um, my um, uh, One author I really love is uh, Lisa Unger, and her newest book is Fragile. So, you know, I'm all over the map with my reading, but uh, I'm a big reader. Great, great. Oh, and I should, I should mention Craig Johnson's books, too, because he writes about the West, as do I, and his books are also set in Wyoming, and, and I love his books. So Craig Johnson, his last book, uh, newest one, is Junkyard Dogs. Great. Very good. Great. Um, what, what, are you, what are you working on now? What, what, what's up next for you? I am just now putting the finishing touches on next year's novel, which will be a sequel to um, a novel that I wrote three years ago. And the novel three years ago was called Blood Memory. And it's set in Denver. It features a different cast of characters from my Wind River series. It features uh, Catherine McLeod, who is an investigative reporter in Denver, and a Denver police detective, Nick Bustamante. Uh, but it also, it, it, Blood Memory also dealt with the Arapahos and with their history here in Denver and with what happened to them because the story that Catherine, the reporter, gets on ends up taking her into the past and into the research and all, uh, understanding what had happened in the past so she can understand what's going on in the present. So I'm writing a sequel to that book, and I say, uh, in fact, I'm finishing it, and it's called The Perfect Suspect. So Catherine and Nick will be back and uh, solving another crime in Denver, and uh, that'll be out next year. Great, great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Margaret Cole, author of the New York Times bestselling Wind River Mystery Series, and her latest novel, The Spider's Web, was just published and it's in bookstores now. Thanks for joining us, Margaret. Thank you so much. This is Lee Child, and I'm listening to the Reading and Writing Podcast. Thanks for listening to my latest podcast. 
If you have a chance, please leave a review of the podcast in iTunes. It only takes a moment. Until next time, read some good books and be well. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save